0: listening to The Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to The Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love, your host. Thanks for joining me today. If you want to read a book on sales, I'd highly recommend Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Marketing and Sales to Accelerate Growth, and when you do that, make sure you have a pen and a highlighter because there's a lot of content in it that I think is going to help you. And our guest today is the author of that book, Daryl Amy. Now, Daryl has been a sales expert for 27 years where he's been a leader in sales and marketing, and he gives a unique perspective on the alignment of marketing and sales together. He's trained over a thousand salespeople. He's developed training programs for multiple Fortune 500 companies. And since 2004, he also led a marketing agency, helping companies leverage the latest digital marketing strategy. So he's obviously a credentialed expert in his field. I think you're going to get some great ideas out of our discussion today make sure you check out the show notes there's also a link for a free toolkit that daryl offers as well as a link to his book and his linkedin profile page as well so make sure you check that out as always this show is sponsored by leopard solutions legal intelligence suite of products firmscape and leopard bi push ahead of the pack with the power of leopard thanks for listening i hope you get some great ideas from my interview with daryl today Hey, this is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is author and professional speaker, Daryl Amy. Daryl, thanks for joining me on the show today. Scott, it's great to be here. This is going to be fun. It is. And it's great to see you again. I saw you at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and it was random that I ran into you and your publisher had a booth promoting your book, which I think is fantastic. And we're going to talk about that. And ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Revenue Growth Engine. We're going to put the link on the show notes. This is something that if you're in the business of business development, you need to read this because there's some ideas that Daryl explains in a, in a graphic format. And I especially like the way that you talk about it as an engine, but you share with us graphically how the engine works and the different parts of the machine related to business development, which I thought was brilliant. So let me ask you this. What motivated you to write this book? Tell me about that story. You know, I think
1: truthfully, like a lot of things in life, it was just pure frustration. Scott, I've gone into so many different businesses over the last two and a half decades and, and seen that they were a lot like a vehicle that had an engine that wasn't running on all cylinders. Every business has an engine. Every firm has an engine. You wouldn't be in business if you didn't. But the question is, you know, how powerful is that engine? How many cylinders... Do you have that engine? So I kept going into businesses, seeing you know they would have pieces of their growth strategy in place, pieces of sales, pieces of marketing, but for the most part, there were massive chunks missing, and and even the chunks that were there was. Kind of random, you know, yeah. it was like the Wild West in sales. And uh, I've spent three decades in sales and sales development and uh two decades in digital marketing. And so in sales, when I've got my sales hat on and I'm a recovering sales rep, Scott, I'm gonna right. therapy <laughs> twice a month, it's going pretty well.
0: That's but great. um but sales, yeah, that. it's
1: like the wild west. You know, you get a bunch of sales professionals, it's like they're standing outside the saloon flipping the coin, the tumbleweeds <laughs> going by and the sales leader says hey y'all go sell something right but where's where's the process where's the consistency where's the plan right AM right things not much
0: better in most organizations you're absolutely right and i like the fact that we're going to tie this in with our topic today which is the law of exponential revenue growth and one question i want to ask you i liked how you mentioned in your book and this is focus your message on outcomes and and I want to kind of start with that. Tell me about that. What does that mean? And how can people focus what their message is on outcomes?
1: <laughs> I got this idea from the father of modern marketing. In the 1940s, Theodore Levitt would walk into his Harvard Business School class, Marketing 101, and he would walk in holding up an electric drill bit. And he would say, Nobody in the history of Home Depot, Ace Hardware, Lowe's, insert hardware store here ever went to buy. A drill bit. We all know the story. They went to buy the hole, right? And right. Seth Godin, the great marketing genius, would go. Well, they didn't really go to buy the hole. What they went to buy was the ability to hang the plaque on the wall so they would look good to their friends. Right. And uh, Donald Miller, another one of my favorite authors, would we go. Well, they didn't go to buy the hole to hang the plaque on the wall. They wanted the plaque on the wall because we're all descended from cavemen, and we know if we don't fit in, <laughs> we're going to get eaten by a tiger. But the point out of all that, Scott, is. Doesn't matter whether you went to the hardware store to buy a hole to hang a plaque on the wall or to avoid being eaten by a tiger, you didn't go to buy the drill bit. And so if you look at, at your business, you know whether you're a law firm, whether you're an accounting firm, whether you sell widgets, whether, whatever you do, whatever you're selling, whatever you're marketing, the point of this is people don't buy your products and services. They buy the outcomes those products and services enable. And so if you want to be effective in the revenue growth engine, we call this the fuel, right? We all know everyone's had a time where maybe you had a vehicle that had some bad gas in it. It doesn't work with bad fuel. The best fuel, the jet fuel for your growth engine is not talking about your business. We've been in business for 187 years, not talking even about your products and services. It's leading with the outcomes that your products and services enable because that's what's going to get people's attention and that's what's going to win their hearts.
0: Absolutely right. And I used to play this game when I was doing a lot of training. I would say, okay, what's the benefit of your service? And they would tell me and I'd say, so what? What's the benefit of that benefit? And they'd think it through and they'd drill down a little bit more and I'd say, so what? What's the personal and emotional benefit of the benefit of the benefit (laughs) that that economic buyer is looking for? And when you drill it down to that level, it, it makes everything crystal clear. And so we're talking about exponential revenue growth. And when I hear the word exponential revenue growth, That makes me want to be like Scrooge McDuck and roll around in piles of $100 bills. You know, (laughs) like I'm going to get rich. I mean, this is going to be exponential revenue growth. So make it (laughs) rain, Scott. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, going to be like Scrooge McDuck. And (laughs) so, how do we get to that point where we get exponential revenue growth? Are there different spokes of a wheel? Or different parts of the machine you think that we should really focus on to get that exponential revenue growth? What do you think, Daryl?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it is actually really simple. If you think about it, you boil it all down to its most basic level. There's only two ways and two ways only to grow revenue. Number one, we get net new customers. We go out and we land new deals. We get new logos. We get market share. That's the first way, net new. The second is we cross sell more to our current clients. Yeah. You know, we grow wallet share, we expand inside our current accounts. And so here's what I've noticed I've noticed a couple of things. First of all, most businesses, most sales teams are really good, usually at one or the other. They're either good at net new or they're good at cross sell. But what happens is when you get good at both, when you've got processes in place for both net new and cross sell, now, all of a sudden, growth begins to become exponential, which is really interesting. interesting. In fact, one of the tools that's in our free toolkit at the Revenue Growth Engine Toolkit, you can get access to just by texting the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to 21,000. Okay, great. Um, we'll put that we on the kind of, show notes too. Yeah, thank you. There's a growth calculator. It's actually really simple. And here's, here's what's so fun. If you can grow your net new business at A modest rate of say 12 to 14% a year. And if you can grow your revenue per client, your cross sell business at 12 to 14% a year, guess what happens? Scott, you actually double revenue in less than 36 months. Yeah. And and yeah, that's brilliant. It's just like, yeah, it's mind blowing organic revenue growth just around focusing on how are we doing at attracting new clients and what are we doing to maximize our revenue per client going in. Get those two things right. And now the hockey stick begins and things get to be a lot of fun. And yes, it can rain the $100 bills, right? Right.
0: (laughs) So what do you think most people don't think this way?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Tiffany Bova is the evangelist for Salesforce.com. And I saw Tiffany speak to a group of 2,500 business owners and uh, sales and marketing leaders at a conference and she got up and I'm going to just paraphrase her. She said, y'all are idiots. And basically what she was saying is much more eloquent than that. But basically what she was saying, she told a story. She said, most businesses are like somebody in the 1800s that sold everything and went to the Klondike to dig for gold. And you sold everything, you moved across the country, you go up into the mountains, you start scraping and panning for gold. And you find a gold nugget and you slap high fives, and the sales manager goes, Great job finding that gold nugget. Now go find me another gold mine, <laughs> right? And it's like we bring clients on board. And then, in, as salespeople and marketing people are kind of complicit in this as well, we think, Okay, well, that one's done. Let's go get another one. But the reality is, as our friend Mark Hunter says, you don't close a sale, you open a relationship. The reality is the sales and marketing only just begins when somebody says yes the first time. Now you have permission to market to them. I think think we miss it, especially for my friends in sales. We miss it because we think our job is just to bring somebody on board and maybe get some referrals from them. The reality is our job is to deliver As Jay Abraham, my favorite marketing author, would say, the best and highest value that we can deliver to them, which means cross selling all of the products and services that we have that can deliver the outcomes our
0: best clients, our ideal clients want and need. And that's great. And I like the fact that you have this attitude of service. You're not closing a sale, you're opening opportunities for people. Well, what do you think gets in the way of most sales executives or strategists? Or rainmakers, what do you think gets in the way of them from thinking this way?
1: Yeah, there's so many, I mean, there's so many different things you could look at. There's comp plan issues, there's but all of it points back to just that attitude of what is what is sales all about in our organization? And so, you know, a lot of times it's so funny because we talk about hunters and farmers, mm-hmm. right? And we think the hunters are the ones that are going to go out and land the new deals. And the farmers are the ones that are going to develop customer relationships over time and and all of that. And and the reality is, I think a lot of organizations compensate very well for hunting. They don't pay a lot of attention to farming. The interesting thing as well, Scott, is if you think about the opportunity to cross-sell, and I want to just give an example here. Well, we'll we'll save the example, but it's it's a really fun one. So don't let me forget. But if you think about... Once someone becomes a client in um, your company, if you're a law firm, once they become a client, if you're an IT company, once they become a client, usually they get handed off to client success, an implementation team, operations, and all of that. And for the most part, sales, you know, even though there might be a quarterly or annual check-in, they're kind of gone right off to the next deal. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think organizations need to realize is that everyone in the organization is in sales. So once you get in, in client success, onboarding, whatever that is, everyone has a responsibility for sales. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the S word. I right. get that. Right. There's yeah. They're not correct, but I get it. So. I like to say everybody is in responsible for revenue. That's a little mm-hmm. easier for people to go, okay, I can get right. on board with that. And so part of this is looking at just at a process level inside your organization to go, okay, from the time that order is approved and someone is, yes, they're a new client, what does our process look like? What are our communications with that client during the onboarding phase? Which, by the way, in the first 100 days, Joey Coleman's research, Never Lose a Customer Again, says every client decides in the first 100 days if they're ever going to do business with you
0: again. Right. And let me kind of interrupt you for a second, Daryl, because I think what you just said, I think is so key about what the clients think. And -hmm. I know in your book on on page, I think it was page 68, you talk about the client experience. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that. What does that mean? And how does that client experience impact exponential revenue growth?
1: This is the opportunity. This is the opportunity, I believe, for companies to really get this engine going. You see, client experience is looking at every interaction a prospect or client has with your organization through the client's eyes. Now, the problem is all these different touch points with a client. You've got salespeople, you've got marketing, and you've got your operations, whatever that looks like. And they're usually all kind of in silos. And so sales thinks about the sales process. Marketing thinks about the buyer's journey. Operations thinks about the customer lifecycle or whatever. All of those are great. But really what we need to be thinking about is what's the client or customer experience from the time they first encounter your company all the way through buying. And most importantly, once they become a client, when you can start to look at the stages of that client experience start to ask questions like, where's the friction keeping them from wanting to enthusiastically move forward? How can we help increase the motivation? What's it like to be that person? Now sales, marketing, and operations can put their heads together and go, you know what? If we did this, we can make this much more compelling. And this is where thinking from the perspective of client experience, it's more than just a feel-good thing. It's more than just a retention thing. It's actually looking at how we can structure that experience so we can deliver the best and highest value and maximize our revenue right. and the outcomes they enjoy. So I love working with teams when we're doing a revenue growth workshop. The core of that workshop, once we identify who the ideal client is for a company, then we'll say, okay, well, let's walk walk me through. Let's look together at what it's like to be a client all the way this, through the stages of the client experience. And that's when the light bulb moments start happening and people go, Oh, if we did this, yeah, you know, and this is how you get not only the sales process working well up front for net new, but as importantly, or more importantly, you get the cross-sell processes in place. So you're not only keeping people, but you're growing your revenue with
0: those individual clients. That's fantastic. And what have you seen from your experience in working with organizations? How do they get information about the client experience?
1: How do organizations get information? Well, you know, the interesting thing is scattered throughout the organization. And this is where when you get everybody in the room together, sales, marketing, operations, support, client success, Mm -hmm. and you start mapping that out. one One of the things that most companies begin to realize is no one's ever... Really sat down and mapped all this out and thought about this. So, you know, the operations people are telling what happens during a different, a certain stage of the client experience. The marketing people are going, really? I had no idea. And, you know, and now, now everyone's engaged and thinking from the client perspective. And I think this is so critical, whether we're talking about outcomes, which we spoke of earlier, or whether we're talking about client experience, it all goes back to looking at your business through your clients' eyes mm-hmm. and beginning to go okay what you know what can we do together to make this experience incredible compelling, frictionless, awesome referable insert adjective here right and that's where companies really start seeing the engine perform that's right. when you start to identify the missing cylinders put them in place and now you're growing. And that's when things get fun.
0: What do you think about surveys? What do you think about surveys to clients, interviews, client interviews from the different departments? What do you think about that? Is that something that you've seen happen in organizations?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think every organization should track things like their net promoter score. However, you know, here's my theory on this is the reality is a small, you know, when you send out a survey at the end of a client interaction or any survey, only a fraction of your clients are ever going to answer those, you know, those surveys. <laughs> and It's like when you get on the call and they go, would you be willing to uh, answer a 10-second survey? No. <laughs> you know, it's like... I, I
0: usually, I press yes because I'm I okay, guess so you're one of the we'll guys. Sh- well, I'm hoping it'll shorten the hold time. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if they game it that way. <laughs> so I always press I yes. of that. That's good. Yeah. Do you answer yeah. the survey? Uh, sometimes depending on how good they do Now I will tell you when it is a company like GoDaddy yeah. and I know that their compensation, their reviews, I always do that. I always sure. do that sure. if they did a good job, if they did a good job. So it's interesting. <laughs> so there's an article in this
1: month's Harvard Business Review about that. And, um, it's actually, a, it's one you got to really work through and chew on. It's written by some very smart people. But they were they're saying in the article that what we want to do is want to understand a correlation between net promoter score and revenue attribution, which got I- my attention and is, you know, the detail of what they went to is beyond the scope of the podcast today. But I think I think asking surveys, net promoter score, all that stuff's great, but it's not enough. And I think that we need to be talking to our clients. And one of the one of the best things that companies can do, and, and for my marketing friends that are listening in, one of the best things you can do for your organization is write success stories, case studies, client interviews. And the reason for that is there's so many reasons. One of them is it's going to allow you to have your finger on the pulse of what's mm-hmm. going on out there. Marketing people, get out in the field, get on the Zoom calls. People in the executive suite, do the same thing. But when you interview your clients, what you begin to discover is what they actually value. So you're going to learn about the outcomes that they want. But you're also going to learn about the experience they've had with your company. And it's going to give you clues as to what what they think is important. I mean, values in the eye of the beholder, right? And so that's true in terms of the value of your products and services. It's also true in terms of the value of the experience you provide. Right, right. right. Yeah, i met so many companies. You just think of a company of like, we answer the phone with a live human being. One should go, great, that's wonderful. However, I don't want to call you. (laughs) I don't want to sit on the phone. I was thinking about activating my (laughs) iPhone, took a swim in the swimming pool a couple months ago. Oh, no. (laughs) uh, it, It didn't enjoy it very much. So when I was getting my new phone came in, I had to activate it. And I was so grateful that my cell phone provider... Let me activate the phone over live chat on their website instead of oh, having wow. to call a live human being. Now you go—is that cus- good customer service? To me, it was right because I didn't want to sit for 15 minutes of my time on the phone when I could be multitasking, doing email, and chatting back and forth, and activating phone. Yeah, right, my phone. right. So when you when you listen to your clients, you get a good idea of what's the customer experience that would be most meaningful to them. So get out and do client interviews, case studies, so helpful in so many different ways. But I think net promoter score surveys, great, but it you got to be out there mixing it up with your, right. your clients to really understand what's going on.
0: Well, Daryl, let me ask you this. If there were three action steps, as we bring our interview to a close here, yeah. if there are three action steps that people listening can take to really implement some of these ideas that you're talking about, what would those three steps be?
1: I would say, first of all, set goals. So set goals for net new and cross-sell. Businesses struggle to set revenue goals. They're usually like, you know, spaghetti on the wall kind of goals. If you'll go to to, uh, text the word revenue to 21,000, that's revenue to 21,000. Or go to our website, revenuegrowthengine.com. You'll be able to download a worksheet where you can set goals for net new and cross-sell.
0: Oh, yeah, that's it. I actually just did that when you were talking about that. I got the link. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking this out.
1: Super. Yeah, absolutely. So. Do that. There's other resources there. The other thing I'd, help, I'd challenge you to do when you get there, the second action point, begin to identify who is your ideal client. Like who's the type of client that needs, enthusiastically needs everything that you sell Yeah, and understand that. And then just begin mapping out, well, what's it like to be that person from the time they first encounter our company all the way through? When you get a copy of the Revenue Growth Engine book, which, by the way, I'd be happy to send to your listeners if you'll chip in for shipping and handling at revenuegrowthengine.com and uh, by texting the word revenue to 21,000, you can get a copy of the book. We give you an entire outline of how to think about your ideal client, how to think about your client experience, and what processes you can put in place to make it awesome. That's great.
0: So we have number one, set goals for net, new, and cross-sell. Number two, begin to identify who's your ideal client. And I like what you said, who enthusiastically needs everything you sell. And then what would be our third action step? Uh, map out that client experience. Oh yeah, okay, that's yeah, what, that's what you out. said. Just
1: God. go like, what's it like? Sit in a room together. Everyone you know, from different parts of the company, sit in a room together and go, okay, what's it like? What happens? What's annoying to them? What's friction? What, why would they want to move forward and, and begin to really understand what it's like to walk a mile in the shoes yeah. of your client. Those are clarity moments.
0: This is great, Daryl. You've got some great ideas that you've shared with us today. And tell us about your offerings. What is it that you have? I know you mentioned your book, but what are the things that you do that you'd like our listeners to know about you and your company?
1: I have a great team of revenue growth guides that we enjoy going in and helping companies build revenue growth plans, get clarity on their goals, their exponential growth goals, get clarity on their ideal client experience and that ideal client profile as well. And then to begin to build the processes, tools, um, systems they need to be able to, to accelerate revenue growth. If you've got a company with a sales team and those, it sounds like, wow, you know, we really could use some help getting clarity on all of that, reach out to us at revenuegrowthengine.com. I'd love to talk with you.
0: That's great, Daryl. We'll put that link on the show notes also. Thank you so much for being on our show. I know we're going to probably have you back on here in the future, Dale. And for everybody listening, like I mentioned, I've read Daryl's book. I'd highly recommend that. We'll put the link where you can order that on the show notes and all the other information that Daryl mentioned. Daryl, thank you so much for being here today. You've been fantastic. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening to The Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.